Welcome to Educated Messes, a podcast to help you sift through the bullshit around work, well-being, and relationships. We'll ask questions, seek answers, and share experiences to help you navigate the messier parts of life. Because trial and error is a lot easier when we do it for you. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kyla, and today we're talking about self-compassion. We're actually trying again on this episode. <laughs> One year later. We tried to, yeah, <laughs> we tried to record this episode. You probably know this if you listened to the last one released, but we tried to record this episode, ended up failing miserably, then recorded one about burnout, and then disappeared for nine months. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're feeling a little no. nervous. <laughs> This could end it all. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, If you don't hear from us again, (laughs) that's why. Self-compassion is really a make or break it topic for us. Yeah, it's been a, I mean, (laughs) it's been a a lot of learning for me since we tried to last record. Uh, I think I may be in a bit of a better place with it, Mm -hmm. but I guess we'll find out today. (laughs) Yes. Fair enough. I don't know where I'm at with this. I would say (laughs) near the beginning still. (laughs) I'm nervous. (laughs) Just going to open with that. But we've done some research so you can, you know, hear from the experts as opposed to us. (laughs) Yeah, we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, I mean, we tried to talk about self-compassion before and I think we struggled with it because... I personally find it to be something that's really difficult to practice regularly. Like I think I have moments Mm -hmm. of self-compassion, but when I was sort of doing some research for this, there's also a lot of reasons why people sort of avoid self-compassion. Like they think it'll make them lazy or less Mm -hmm. hardworking or it'll make them lack discipline and things like that. And so there's like reasons why people feel averse to it because they're avoiding what they think are like the pitfalls of being too (laughs) self-compassionate. And in reality, there's not a lot of truth in that. Like we think that self-criticism is, I should only speak for myself, but I feel like this is sort of a a common feeling, but I know that I typically see self-criticism as like a motivator, like Mm. And not not logically, like I recognize mm. it, it's not working, but yeah. I do think that that's where it typically comes from is we think we can almost like criticize ourselves into action and what yeah. typically happens is it doesn't work and then we're mean to ourselves when it doesn't work too. So yeah, yeah, I've heard that too, like thinking that being hard on yourself will make you more productive, whatever capitalist value For that sure. it, it makes you, <laughs> but that it actually reduces your productivity when you're hard on yourself and tired and Mm -hmm. all the things that come from having a lack of self-compassion which we have definitely experienced yeah (laughs) excited to learn (laughs) absolutely I think it's sort of it ties into resilience where I think there's a misconception that the quicker you can bounce back from something the more resilient you are and to a certain Mm -hmm. degree I think that's true but what's missing there is like we we can't just avoid things altogether and so I think (laughs) self-compassion we can't. <laughs> so why not? Self compassion is an important piece where it's like, okay, how do we treat ourselves in those moments in order to move mm-hmm. through them better and be more resilient and not be self critical? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what is self compassion? So, <laughs> having compassion for others, for example, just means that you're kind and understanding to them when they fail or make mistakes. And we notice, or we know this with our friends that when they, 
do something maybe embarrassing or that they think is you know a total failure that we typically don't see it that way when we're looking at them and so we don't judge them super harshly and that's because we have compassion for them and it's also this realization that failing and being imperfect and you know messing up is part of our shared experience as human beings Mm -hmm. I think I think we literally had an example of this on the podcast last year when Kyla was describing something that was like an in her eyes like an epic fail oh yeah and I was like I had no idea that you thought that about that situation like it just to people around you it's so not their perspective (laughs) on it but when you're in those moments it does feel like really big and embarrassing and this and that yeah, I think I remember. I think it was like not getting a job or something yeah. was was the, the big epic failure that I experienced. But, yeah, I mean, we all yeah. have them. These moments where you're just like feeling the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think that how we're doing this today, maybe you should say this because you have the notes, but we're going to do prompts. That are from, is it Kristen Neff? Dr. Kristen Neff's yes, the, self-compassion quiz the, or something? The queen of self-compassion. Well, it's out of her workbook, which is called the Mindful Self-Compassion Workbook. I just read it off the page. <laughs> but you could also find these online. Okay. There is a, a actual like online test of some sort that we can link to if you want to I don't know give yourself some feedback (laughs) yeah I think it's essentially to understand how self-compassionate you currently are so Mm -hmm. that you have sort of a baseline of maybe what to work towards (laughs) okay oh right so we're gonna do that in this one Mm -hmm. and then in the next part of of the self-compassion series I think we'll go through some like tools exercises kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean we were just touching on this one but the first prompt is when I fail at something important to me I become consumed by feelings of inadequacy (laughs) so we can sort of do these as true or false I guess right do you feel this way okay you go first (laughs) I mean I think it depends on what the situation is but yes I think I definitely can do this to myself where I would definitely rationalize something different if it was me who is suffering from it versus someone else. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. if I was to lose a job, I think that my feelings of inadequacy would be pretty great. And if I had a friend who lost a job, I would not think, oh, this person is inadequate and that's why this happened. So yeah, I would say Mm -hmm. it sort of depends on the situation. I know that like previously in my life during like romantic quarrels, if you will. (laughs) I often saw those as failures. Like if a relationship didn't Mm -hmm. work out or if something fell apart, I'd feel like, oh, this was a failure, which is an interesting perspective Mm -hmm. to have because there's two parties involved and things happen. But Yeah. yeah, I think that I don't know if I would say I become consumed by it. I think it depends on the situation, but I definitely have said this before on this podcast that I know I recognize that I can be pretty self-critical. And I think the people around me know that to be true about myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say that's fair. <laughs> uh, uh, why are we doing this? <laughs> Cancel the episode. <laughs> um, if I see something as a failure, do I become consumed? When I fail at something important to me, I become consumed by feelings of inadequacy. I think something important to me yeah. is, I guess, the key mm-hmm. thing here. I think I've gotten a lot 
better at this. I'm going to try and speak from like where I presently yeah, am at. Please do. Um, in the past, can, I definitely. We can represent different stages on the spectrum of stuff. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I think mostly I've redefined or kind of changed my relationship with what I see as a failure. Like, I, I don't know if I really think that way so much anymore. Like, I am more like, I think things can be really uncomfortable and really hard. And then maybe those would have been the situations in the past that I would have seen as like failing because I ended up feeling Mm -hmm. bad or something like that or feeling uncomfortable. But I don't think I'm too hard on myself anymore. I do think I feel a lot of things about it, Mm -hmm. but I know how to like deal with that now more. Yes. That was kind of a vague answer. Nope, that works. (laughs) Okay. Okay. When I'm feeling down, I tend to feel like most other people are probably happier than I am. <laughs> uh, I don't think I feel this way. I think that okay. I definitely, this is one piece of the puzzle that I think has changed a lot for me. So I used to be like full blown, you know, Cameron Diaz in the holiday when she like stands in the shower and can't cry. I remember you telling me you used to do <laughs> Yes, I went through a period where like I, the girl could not cry and it made, it made people around me deeply uncomfortable (laughs) but I don't know I just had a drought in the tear section of my brain and I think that was related to this where I just (laughs) I wasn't like I wasn't allowing myself to really like feel sadness Mm -hmm. and and be there and so Mm -hmm. now I think when I'm sad I'm very aware that lots of people are sad and I also think that's just like I pay more attention now to these types of things because it's like so much of what I'm interested in doing in my life too like mm-hmm. that I recognize that everyone is struggling at times and I I also think as you get older you recognize that sort of the facade of like social media and things like that everybody's sad <laughs> <laughs> that's so gloomy yeah. <laughs> but like I think when I was probably in university I'd like look at people online and I was probably perpetuating like a version of myself online too that seemed like so fabulous and exciting and happy (laughs) and I just think now I'm very aware that it's just like such an illusion and so Mm -hmm. I don't think I do this anymore I think I recognize when I'm sad it's a normal emotion and everyone gets sad sometimes and that's part of being a human being so I remember, I feel like not long ago, I asked you, I was like, oh my God, can you cry now? And you're like, yeah. Well, I, was I was telling you that awesome. my partner wanted me to watch Queer Eye, the new season of Queer Eye. And I hadn't seen a couple of the seasons since, but he really wanted to watch the season. So we watched it and there was a point where we had watched like three episodes in a row and I was just like, I couldn't speak. And I was like, I need (laughs) us to stop watching this because he'd look over and he'd be like, what's wrong? And I'd just be like, I just can't (laughs) understand. Like I just couldn't handle it. And then Kyla was like, I didn't know you could cry. And I'm like, oh baby. (laughs) Yes. I've got tears to make up up for now. That's awesome. I love crying. I know. I would say I'm still not like an expert on it, but no, I'm I'm getting there. I'm improving. <laughs> That's huge. Okay. Question was, can you repeat? When I'm feeling down, I tend to feel like most other people are probably happier than I am. You know what is coming to mind here is this past summer I was I was in a bummer mood a lot of the time, but I think I kind of assumed that the opposite. Like I kind of assumed that everyone also was mm. struggling. Which maybe that's a good, maybe that is like a 
something helpful because it, I guess, takes pressure off of like being happy. But for a lot of the past nine months that we've been gone, I've kind of been operating under the assumption that probably everyone is is struggling in some way right now because um, still in a global pandemic, been about two years at this point, and that's super hard. And of course, people might be having a hard time. So I guess I think that is self-compassion. I think that self-compassion has something to do with like common humanity. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. No, you're touching on like a big piece of what Kristen Neff talks about, which is this idea of common humanity, which is essentially like if you get really upset or even like embarrassed or whatever it is and you start having these thoughts of like, I am the only one who makes these types of mistakes. Like I am so Mm. this or that. That's like this like you're lacking in this concept of common humanity, which is like being a human involves suffering. And so being able to recognize like, oh, when I make a, a mistake or if I screw up like that, yes, I can feel sad about it. I can I can apologize. I can do all these things. And I can also recognize that very much a part of like the human experience is a part of practicing self-compassion mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Cool. Next prompt is... When I'm feeling down, I tend to obsess and fixate on everything that's wrong. Hmm. You want me to answer <laughs> yeah, this one? You first. First. <laughs> I actually think I probably do this. I think this is something I could still work on. Uh, the way my brain works <laughs> is it's difficult to sit in discomfort. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just a human thing, but... When something seems like it's not working for me, I pretty actively, maybe to the point of it being a bit too much, try to fix and change yeah. it. It's just, it's a blessing mm-hmm. and a curse because like I I change my life in intentional ways quite often, but it also is tiring to move this much. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I say I could probably work on this. When I'm feeling down, I tend to obsess and fixate on everything that's wrong. Man, this feels like just being a human being a bit, doesn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, probably obsess and fixate are the words that make yeah. it dramatic. But <laughs> I would say, like, Kelsey, at the end of 2021, I was at peak this. I was like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, in our last episode, I was talking about how I lost like all semblance of optimism. And I feel like this is. <laughs> This is what I was doing is I was just like nitpicking apart everything that felt bad and unfair and terrible. But I would say this isn't really my MO. I think typically when I'm feeling down, I almost do the opposite. I like toxic positivity myself into being Mm. like, you're fine. (laughs) Look how great Mm. your life is. You're fine. Stop being sad. Right, 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 right. So maybe I do this a bit internally, but I wouldn't say this is like completely my MO, but I can definitely like fixate on things. There's aspects of my life that I'd spend more time doing this to, like being kind of nitpicky and more judgmental, I think. So yeah, definitely an area for improvement too. Okay, this is this last one's a banger. Oh, actually, this is kind of a two-parter. We'll do it as a two-parter because I think they're similar. <sighs> okay. So this one is, I'm disapproving and judgmental about my own flaws and inadequacies. <laughs> and then sort of the second piece is, I'm intolerant and impatient towards the aspects of my personality I don't like. 
<laughs> these ones, these ones, I get an A plus on both of these in like the bad way. Like I, <laughs> I excel at these in the worst way possible. Tell me more. Um, I'm extremely disapproving of my own flaws and inadequacies. I'm like a grade A perfectionist for sure, through and through. And I'm for sure impatient towards the aspects of my personality I don't like. Mm. I think when you look at friends, like as human beings, we all have maybe like our human flaws or like aspects of our personalities that are maybe more difficult than others. I think that's just like everyone has those. And it's so interesting how in other people I can see sort of the value in those things. Like I can see where they come from and how it's rooted in something very normal and and good and in myself I'm like we should probably change this thing (laughs) we should probably get rid of this thing like I think even one thing that I've talked about before too is like I always was super self-conscious about my like sense of humor being like dry and sarcastic in a way that I thought people found off-putting right and to a point where it's like there was a while where I just changed my whole personality and I was like (laughs) I'm just not gonna do this anymore like I'm not gonna I'm just gonna be different and I'm gonna be like super like soft-spoken and like nice like not kind just like nice like polite interesting I think you've talked about this before I remember you mentioning I don't know if it was just with me or and I'm like I don't know I don't know if that's the way to go I think there's a way to like recognize that people who are in your life know you and know your intentions and care about you and you'll say the wrong thing sometimes and they'll just be like yeah that's fine or like thanks for apologizing or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah I think sometimes I have a way of trying to sort of be like oh you probably should just not do this piece of yourself anymore well, I feel so called out <laughs> Shit. why <laughs> I just am realizing how much I still do this. Mm. Yeah, I think hearing you talk about that, what's kind of coming up for me is, uh, as I have been moving my life around quite a bit. (laughs) Like literally. Literally, figuratively, (laughs) metaphorically. (laughs) I have started like meeting some new people and like a beautiful thing. I love making friends, but I definitely have pretty front of mind the thoughts about like if they get to know me mm. they won't like oh jeez oh jeez <laughs> i know i know so oh. i would say yes i am hard on certain parts of myself which also reminds have you ever done parts work in <laughs> no. therapy it's wild oh my god basically it's just kind of like a, a way of accepting every part of you but yeah I would say I'm still working on that one okay this brings up such an interesting thing because you and I have talked about this so much and I think this is such an interesting sort of conversation conversation starter that I've seen recently where there's such a you know a big push on self-optimization and self-help and growth and evolution of character and all of these things where it's like you could never possibly finish every book out there that could like teach you to be marginally better as a person based on someone's opinion and you could do Mm -hmm. all of like the therapy and all of these things and it's interesting because Kyle and I've talked about this where you get to this point where sometimes I think that the when you're seeking out these changes like you're seeking out wanting to be healed or better or 
more mindful or whatever it is, there is a piece of it that is like a rejection of the self that you are right now. And so it's almost you going, you're not good enough yet. But if you work and work and you study and you learn, you could be better and then you could be worthy. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. because it's just like another version of like diet culture or something like that where it's like Mm -hmm. I will be worthy when x happens and we're chasing something Mm -hmm. we'll never reach like when are we going to get to a point and I'm speaking for myself here too but get to a point where like I'm going to go okay I've read enough self-help books and I've listened to enough motivational podcasts and I've meditated x amount of times and I have the perfect movement routine and I go to therapy (laughs) x amount of times so now I'm at a point where I'm at like homeostasis or like equilibrium or whatever Mm. it is and I know Kyla and I've bumped into this too because you get to a point where you're like okay, well then why do I feel like I'm doing all these things and I'm still going through these periods of time where I'm like so, so sad or like acting in a way that's not great. Like maybe I'm getting angry at people that I shouldn't be or or whatever it is, or I'm spending too much time like escaping life on social media, whatever it is. There's this expectation that we'll get to this like mecca of being (laughs) evolved. Yeah. And then we'll be, you know, worthy. And it's like, I think that's the spooky part about some of this stuff is it's like, how can I accept the version of myself right now that has like so many flaws? And that's just like part of being a human being. And also, Mm -hmm. of course, I want to like channel growth and work towards it. But I don't think that I have a a fair, uh, like a good balance between those aspects yet. Mm. Yeah, this is reminding me of two things. One is a quote. Uh-oh, you're going to have to fact check this one. <laughs> I think it's from like a I've monk. missed these quotes, to be honest. Hit me. With- there was one episode where I swear you did like seven, so I've been lacking. <laughs> well, I have mantras, baby. I got some to spare. Um, I think the quote is something along the lines of the only part of you that needs to change is the part of you that thinks you need to change, mm. which I kind of like. I think that's sweet and the other thing that came up in my brain was I think the definition that you found for DBT last Mm -hmm. episode which is dialectical behavior therapy Mm -hmm. I believe um, which is like the combination of acceptance but also kind of like forward movement curiosity and change um, which Honestly, if I'm remembering correctly, I think that's where we got stuck on the first self-compassion episode we tried to record because we couldn't figure out, like, what's the balance between accepting where you're at, but, like, moving towards, I guess, like, what you want or whatever that is. I do think that is where we got stuck is it's like – and I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls when I was going through this workbook by Kristen Neff. She talked about how, like – one of the biggest pitfalls is people fear that by being overly self-compassionate, it will make you like hit a state of, yeah, stagnant. Like you'll be in a state of inaction where you're not pursuing evolution or growth or change. And what she says on that is that it's not that you won't have the motivation to change. It's that your reason for doing so will change. So instead of saying, Mm. I have to succeed because if I don't, I'll hate myself or I'll be a failure. You say, I want to succeed because I care about myself because Mm. I want to see myself thrive. Like, and I use succeed very loosely, like whatever that is, whether it's, you know, being a better partner or being a parent or being a CEO, I don't care. But I think the point is, yeah, like 
we think, oh, you know, if I don't if I don't get into school or if I don't do this thing, I'm a failure or I'm a loser. And in, and if I don't do it, then this that's so embarrassing. And instead, self-compassion would say that the reason behind it should be like, I want to do this because I want this for myself, because I care about myself and I want to see myself, you know, evolve and grow. So I thought that was key for me to hear where I do think I have this like dark fixation on like discipline, which I don't know. I don't know. I'll save that for me and me and my gal. But I do think that I get I bump up against self-compassion because I do I hit this wall where I'm like, and then what? Like, do I just go, oh, it's okay, Kelsey, you can you can take the day off or whatever I think self-compassion is. And Okay, so I was just telling you that I was listening to this podcast, but it's about Jay Shetty or it's a Jay Shetty quote and it's about balance and like creating more peace in your life. And so it says when you do something that's bad for you because it feels good in the moment, that's pleasure. When you do something that is good for you but feels bad in the moment, that's peace. Pleasure is temporary. It's short lived. It's ephemeral. It does not last. Peace is everlasting because it's transforming the way you live, the way your body works, the way your mind is. And so I don't necessarily agree with the part about it feeling bad, but I think for me, I can sometimes think like sometimes what's best for me is like inconvenient or like not mm. super appealing or uncomfortable. But, That's the word or that uncomfortable. I'm liking. Totally. Yeah. And so sometimes I get those mixed up where I think, oh, being self compassionate is like staying in bed or you know, mm. scrolling on my phone or watching Netflix. And it's like, those are pleasure based. Like they make me mm. feel good mm. sort of in the moment, but not the next day versus things that are like peace based where it's like, what is actually, what is actually going to make me feel better? Even if it's a little bit uncomfortable to begin or whatever yeah. it is. So that really stuck with me too, from a self-compassionate perspective, like how am I actually treating myself? How do these things actually make me feel in you yeah. know tomorrow or the next day? I know our brains are so silly. Like we're our brains are wired for survival, not for happiness. And oh my god, of- I have that written down in front of me. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, so a lot of like short term, kind of like dopamine driven, yeah, things feel good in the moment and yes. might not be uh, contributing to our long-term happiness, which it's a hard thing to kind of, you got to collaborate with your brain and body in the weirdest (laughs) ways sometimes, but For sure. Yeah. I think that it's easy to think like, oh, the instant reward thing is the thing that is like me treating myself. Yeah. And so, so often that's not true and like leads us feeling maybe worse the next day. And so for me, I think that's been a big learning is like, what does it actually mean to take care of myself? And Mm -hmm. so Kristen Neff, and I mentioned this before, I think too, but she sort of says that if you're in these moments and you're wondering like how to be compassionate towards yourself, you can just ask yourself, what do I need right now? Mm. And what I think is interesting about that is that's a hard question to answer. Mm -hmm. I think you might think it's easy, or at least I might think it's easy. Like, what do I need right now? Oh, you know, I can think of it very simplistically and I don't think that's actually what I need. Like what Mm. I need might be fresh air or to call a friend or to take a nap or these different things that maybe for me are not what I typically go to in those moments of like self-criticism or self-doubt. So Mm -hmm. she says that that's the first step Cool is being able to be in those moments and ask yourself like, how can I care for myself right now? What do I need right now? I like that. 
Okay. Me too. Snappy, snappy episode. I think we'll do our part two and let y'all know what we can do to become more self-compassionate. For sure. Well, we're going to try to. We're going to use other people's advice. Okay. (laughs) We're all learning together. (laughs) Okay. See ya. I mean, bye. Bye. (laughs) Okay. Time for a fact check. Episode 21. Let's do it. Self-compassion part one. You did it. We got through it. Hell yeah. (laughs) Okay. So this one's a little shorty because part one of this is just us chatting about sort of our reflections on the prompts that we shared. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, listening back, I wanted to give a sweet, small (laughs) PSA that uh, I did have COVID while we recorded (laughs) this two-part series. So it's quite nasally. Got us. I think... Kyla wanted us to record it then because she's trying to get um, more kudos on her sexy voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so people are always doling out the compliments to me, but she's like, this is my time to shine. So Yeah, I am trying to sabotage you for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, sorry about that. Hope you still listened. <laughs> um, okay. Who's Kristen Neff? I just wanted to provide a little bit more of an intro to her. So... Um, She's an associate professor at the University of Texas in the Department of Educational Psychology. She has a PhD, and she's essentially credited with conducting the first academic studies on self-compassion, and she's widely recognized as one of the top experts globally on the topic of self-compassion. And she's written a couple books, and she also has that workbook that we mentioned that we'll link to in our show notes as well that's called the Mindful Self-Compassion Workbook. Also in this episode, I reference the concept of self-optimization, and I have talked about this on the podcast before, but just wanted to also reference that a lot of my thoughts on that come from um, an essay in Gia Tolentino's book, Trick Mirror, and I'll also link in our show notes, um, there's like an article synopsis of that essay, but I also just recommend the book in general. But that essay in that book uh, uh, blew my mind a lot. And I still think about it so often. So definitely recommend that. But yes, that kind of was where some of that was coming from. Cool, cool, cool. You know, Kyla hit us with a quote about (laughs) the only part of you that needs to change is the part of you that thinks you need to change. Could not find a source for that quote. (laughs) Probably a tweet. (laughs) I must have made it up. I'm just so smart. (laughs) Source, Kyla. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's really the whole thing. I will link to um, the episodes that we referenced from our past episodes in our show notes, as well as the Jay Shetty episode that I mentioned as well about pleasure versus peace. And I'll also link Kristen Neff's website, which is essentially self-compassion, self-compassion.org. And in my sort of efforts looking through this, because I do mention Brene in this episode, and I think we mention it in the next one too, there actually is like a three-part series of Brene and Kristen Neff. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Brene so, Brown, if anyone's new yes. here, we we first name basis, Brene. Yes. <laughs> Our friend, Brene, and our friend, Kristen. Yeah, buddies. Um, but apparently they have a little thing together. So I'm going to watch that, but I'll also link link it as well. I want to watch that too. Cool. I know, right? That's the whole dang thing. It was pretty, you know, mostly just us exploring our own experiences. And I'll also put the prompts of the four sort of 
questions, if you will, that we went through in case you want to do that. And I'll include the other ones from the workbook too, because we did sort of a Coles Notes version. We didn't think you wanted to hear us talk about <laughs> how much we're mean to ourselves too long. <laughs> yeah, sad. Sad. Okay, cool. Uh, if you want to rate us on the, yes. the, the podcast things, uh, it helps. And if you tell your friends, if you think someone might benefit from listening to these these episodes, please share because that's the main way that people find podcasts still. Yeah, I also notice on Spotify now you can actually rate a podcast like you can give mm-hmm. it or like similar to how Apple does. So that's super helpful. And if you follow or subscribe, it just means that our episode's get pre-downloaded before you even have to think about it gives them some legs also (laughs) down with joe rogan (laughs) oh my god i'm like i know our podcast has no listeners but should we boycott spotify i honestly was thinking about it oh my god i saw a tweet the other day it absolutely sent me because there's like all these comedians trying to defend joe rogan (laughs) and i saw someone (laughs) tweet just said i say this genuinely and with absolutely no snark i had no idea joe rogan was considered a comedian (laughs) And I was like, me neither. Why are yeah. we defending? People are like, comedians are supposed to oh walk you through a haunted house of difficult emotions. Sorry. And I'm like, he's a he's a fear factor guy. What? He's not, he's not a comedian. Definitely a clown, but yeah. not a comedian. <laughs> he's definitely something you'd find in a haunted house, but yeah. <laughs> seems oh like a God. stretch to call him funny. God. Okay. Uh, is that all? <laughs> Okay. Um, uh, uh. <laughs> Where do we go cool, from here? Cool, 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 cool. Anything else? That's everything. Okay. Bye. Bye.